You're listening to From the Clubhouse, a National Club Golfer podcast. They are the first port of call when we turn up for a round. Whether it's checking you in for a competition, giving your game a much-needed MOT, or just sparing a couple of minutes for a chat, the traditional PGA professional is the heartbeat of our clubs. And yet in recent years, the role, like so many others, has come under pressure, as some clubs have looked to take services in-house, move to franchising, or re-evaluate the position altogether. But what is the value of a good club professional? What is their role? And how do they assist in the smooth running of a club and help to make our hobby all the more enjoyable? Over the course of the next hour or so, we're going to find out. We've lined up figures from every part of the journey, from the professional themselves, to the retail operation that stands behind them, and, of course, the governing body that represents them and looks after their interests. And so we ask, are the services of a great club pro more important than ever? We start with such a pro. Mark Rogers has been the head professional at York Golf Club for more than a decade and is a multiple industry award winner. He recently was accredited as a specialist PGA professional, a fitting recognition to his 30 years as a member of the association. What does his job involve? How does he balance the spinning plates of retail coaching and customer service? And what does he think makes him and his contemporaries so important to the smooth running of a golf club? Let's find out. Mark, thanks for joining us. So just give me a little bit of your background at York Golf Club and your, and your career in golf, because I think you've been around the game for quite a while, if you don't mind me well, saying so. That's a polite way of saying we're getting old. Thank you very much, <laughs> Steve. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, background. Um, been here at York, uh, it'll be 14 years in March. So, um, so that's been a fantastic time and uh, still exciting times ahead. Um, to, to the journey before coming here, um, Basically, um, when I left school, 15 years old, before 16th birthday in August, I uh, went to work in a shop down in uh, Hertfordshire, Brookmans Park. So I was an assistant down there and uh, started my training there as well. And uh, eventually, you know, came back to Darlington uh, after three years down south and finished training and worked as assistant at, um, well, Beedale. Had a brief period at Beedale there, um, best part of a year. Moved to Darlington Golf Club, spent a few years as assistant there, and then became head pro. So that was my first head pro's job at 23, and um, was there for a few years before going to Seaton Crew. So I was at Seaton from 2001 to 2008 before coming here. So this is my third head pro's job, and uh, seen a few changes in my uh, in my many years. As well, you've alluded to. Well, we'll get <laughs> so, we'll, yeah. we'll get into some of those because I think. Um, they are instructive. Um, you're a man from the north as well, which I like, um, being, being a Teesider myself. Good so, man, uh, well done. Indeed, good man. Um, just give me a sense then for the listeners of what your role here entails, what you do at York Golf Club, because I think you would be, it wouldn't be remiss of me to describe you as the archetypal traditional golf right. club professional. Sure, sure. yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's one of the great loves of doing the job I do and, and many of us do out there is, uh, is the role of the club pro is a very varied one you know so every day is an interesting one um, ultimately there's, there's lessons being carried out we're doing fittings 
but you're very much involved in the day-to-day -day side of the golf club as well so you, you're doing your meet and greet you're seeing people arrive um, you, you're handling the competitions your visitors um, but then you actually you know there's been a big change over the years of working much more with the golf club as well so you're involved in some of the meetings there and helping work together I mean you know I've always said it's us it's we when we talk with the, the directors and committees at golf clubs because we're all in this together for everyone's benefit so um, yeah there's, there's many angles to it and the playing side as well so yeah it's, it's, a, it's a great role and one that I've enjoyed for, for a number of years and it has changed you know I mean it's um, you're just more and more involved and um, it's great yeah so let's get into the nitty-gritty a little bit of your role. I mean, how, how does that relationship with the golf club work? Are you retained by the club? Do you get a percentage of green fees, for example? Do you own your own shop? How does it work? Yeah, um, well, basically, um, th there's little tweaks in many golf clubs, how it all, all set up. But here at York, I'm, I'm retained by the golf club, so they pay me a retaining fee each month. Um, so the shop is provided as a shell, shall we say, so it's up to me to stock the liabilities, cover all the insurance, the, the upkeep on the internals in terms of the, the fittings and things like that. Um, so yeah, the club is providing the, the premises for us to work from, so the retaining fee comes to me in that respect. So I don't get a cut of the green fees like some pros do, but the, the, there's a set retainer package, which from a business point of view is better as well. You know what the monthly uh, agreement is there. So. Um, so yeah, that, in that respect, um, the other thing that I provide is the staff as well to do the job. So that's, that's all covered as what we provide. So it's kind of the shell and, and get on. And uh, the, like as an example, the recent addition to the club we've done here with the studio that we sat in, um, the club built the extension for us to create the studio. So everything internally is what we've done ourselves. So that investment has come from me. So that's all the walls, the technology, everything there so so the internal has been done by us so yeah yeah we'll get into some of the opportunities that's provided and some of the challenges as well i, I imagine come the end of a stock year you might you might be might have a small headache from time to time <laughs> depending on what you've still got in but um just sitting in this studio that we are kind of shows me the change that's happened in the time Mm. Just that, just that you've been a professional. I mean, we're not talking that long ago. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, no, a huge shift. Yeah. I mean, I, shift. I remember. I think we're of a similar age. Um, and um, I remember when I first started taking lessons. You know, a pro looked at you on feel alone, and that mm. was it. Their, mm. their eyes mm. told you what was going absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. And and now we're sat here. You've got you know the latest trap man. I'm stood in front of a, a huge projection screen um, with all attack angles and club path and face to path in front of me. I mean, just kind of guide me through really the dramatic change that you've seen in your in your few years in the job. Absolutely. I mean, the te well, technology just it doesn't go backwards, does it? The advances have been incredible. And yeah, I mean, my whole training in early days was very much ball flight laws, sound feel, and what you're seeing there. So the technology is just fantastic and it's so exciting to work with. So yes, as you said, we've got Trackman here, which is regarded as being one of the best out there and used by many. And you know, the knowledge that it gives you is fantastic. Um, in terms of the, um, what you see there, it's, you've got to sort of tailor what you're sharing with the customer as well a lot of the time, you know, but um, yeah, it's, when you think of the advances, I mean, these launch monitors first came out probably 13, 14 years back. So I remember coming here first and we were one of the first guys to get a launch monitor as such. The GC2 was one of the ones that came out first. Um, and in terms of an indoor facility, you know, I, I dread to think how you could do the job without one now, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, 
you know, we, we opened this one just, just before COVID started, so we've been running two and a bit years with it. But one of the problems we've got in this country particularly is the weather and the impact that has on your business, you know. So um, whilst we've got a covered driving range and things like that, you know, to have an indoor facility just keeps you going all year round. Nothing is going to stop you doing it. And especially with product launches now, I mean, we've got the exciting tailor-made Callaway launches just come out. But the lessons as well is it's phenomenal what you can do in here as well. You know, it's made a huge difference and, and lessons all year round, but there's no better time than January, February, March coming into the season as well. So, so it's, yeah, it's different dynamics. Yeah. Is it, it might be easy for you and you might tell me this, but it, it feels to me that you've had to consistently evolve, you know, mm. from ball flight laws that you talked about um, to, you know, using video cameras and iPads then that came in Absolutely. to now TrackMan and stuff like that. How easy has that been for, for you to do? Because people are very different. For some people, that, that lean, total lean towards technology would have been difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do, are you a sort of flexible person in that respect? Yeah, I'm pretty flexible, but I mean, there's, there's resources out there to help get you through it as well. So, um, but, you know, you've got to evolve, haven't you? Let's be honest, you know, it's a, it's a changing world out there. And, and to, be, to be fair, I mean, since getting the TrackMan, we, we got that for a few months before the studio started um, being used. So using the, the technology is fantastic. And it's, it's, it's like not starting again. It's just this next chapter. And it, it is really exciting. It's, it's rejuvenated my own passion for the game in that respect as well, because you just, it's a different scenario. It's, um, yeah, it, there's, I mean, there's, TrackMan, if I, if I use them as an example, they have their online university. So, you know, you spent numerous hours going through that. So they're guiding you through the information and things like that. And the PGA is evolving as well with their continual development program because the role is changing, but they've got resources. Um, so everything's out there to help you. You know, it's, um, it, it's great. And that's what keeps the passion going as well with the job, really. Yeah, interesting that you talked about the continually evolving role. Nice link into the, into, the <laughs> next, into the next question. I mean, it is a changing job. I mean, we can see that from um, uh, trends that are going on in the industry at the moment. There are some clubs who've removed the retained pro. There are some clubs that have uh, removed the shop and have gone to franchise franchised operations. So, I mean, obviously, you're a successful club pro here. I know because you're my club pro. I know the members right. get on with you and they like you. How does the traditional club pro then remain relevant in this ever-changing environment of the job? Well, it's, it, it, it's all, you know, it is a relationship with you and your members, isn't it, really? And, and you know, I was told a long time ago that, um, you know, your customers, your members there will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, you know, when you work on that mantra, it's, you know, it's up to us to evolve as well. You know, the retail environment, your lesson environment. So, you know, you've got to make them want to come to you. Nothing's a given, you know, so... Um, and I'm fortunate, I've got two great guys as well, so we've got a good team. And, you know, we, we live and breathe it, and the, the passion is there, and that people pick up on those vibes, don't they? You know, it's, it's our business, and, and we're kind of working this together. And, um, you know, that comes through to the club as well. You know, the people pick up, and it is the, the hub of the place, really, when people come in, they look forward, and, you know, we're busy with the lessons and the fittings. So, you know, everyone's got options, and we're trying to take away any barrier for, for not using us, if you see what I mean. So, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about retail, where I think that's one of the easiest and um, most specific challenges that you would sure. have as essentially an independent operator. Now, I know you operate within the Foremost Group, Absolutely. which, yeah. which um, gives you access to certain buying buying groups and, and so on. But um, I can understand, I suppose, why for some clubs, bringing in a franchisee would be attractive because um, it takes the shop away from them. And you know, for those members who... 
who are looking for certain things in competitions, for example, there's a huge retail arm behind them, isn't it, that they can they can go into. How, how difficult is, is it for you to cope with A, franchises, and B, the rise in online um, spending? Because the, the guarantee is somewhere, someone will have the product that this yeah. golfer is looking for, and yet you need that golfer who's a member of the club to come through you. So how, how big a challenge is that? Yeah, I mean, you, you try and do everything you can. So, I mean, it is a challenge. And, and to be fair, I can't, I can't thank Foremost enough for what they've done. I mean, it's not just us evolving. You've got Foremost has evolved as well. And their, their support has been fantastic. So they do a lot of the digital promotions and, and, and do a lot of help there with newsletters and things like that. They work with the suppliers to help us with our purchases as well. So, so basically, we can still choose what we stock and who we buy it from, but you're not going to have everything for everyone, you know. And um, so, if we can't, if we don't physically have something, then we've got a big network to get things. So it's very rare we'll struggle to get someone for someone. Obviously, lately, COVID challenges has been a stock issue, regardless of what industry. But the network that and the support that farmers provide is fantastic so so that helps and you know the the way the golf club works with the, you know competition winning spent within the shop and things like that 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 is a big help as well you know so it's all it's all working together with the club on that so um and and the other thing as well is you know that it does require time set aside so you know you are spending a lot of plates doing this job and the retail side does take some time but going back to foremost as example um you know, we've got a lot of transactions and, and things like um, Foremost invoice me every two weeks of all my purchases. So I'm not dealing with all the different companies in that respect. So that saves a lot of time as well. So there's a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes there. I, I hope I'm not disparaging golfers everywhere, but we're not the most patient um, mm. when it comes to, um, you know, when, we, when we've decided we want the product, we tend to want it now yeah, yeah. and we tend to want it at a particular price. And yeah. I suppose the point I was getting to earlier with online competition is there's always someone who's going to do that cheaper because the, it's, the network is so large, isn't right. it? And, you know, what, what, if I can find somewhere in, say, Spain that can give me 30 quid cheaper and they'll free ship it, they, there's yeah, always yeah. that challenge. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you deal with that? If, you know, when, when there are shortages in products, just trying to keep members patient and to and to go locally yeah. and be you know when a when a member will, will come in and say I've seen this cheaper somewhere else can you price match because when you price match against a massive online company you're reducing your profit yeah there is that I mean it's but we are conscious I mean when products arriving we will check the internet to see what the prices are anyway so you know that we our prices are reflective to what's out there yes I mean the thing is if you have a, a certain item that you want and you control the net there may be a site somewhere that's got a bit of a curveball price now that could be down to various reasons but as a day-to-day -day thing if you look at price of accessories golf clubs whatever we're pretty much on the money and competitive there but then you've also got the backup service as well you know it's you know we do the, the fittings and we do a follow-up fitting when you've bought clubs offers. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And, and you know, being brutally honest, there's a lot of clubs out there. We tend to stock the more popular ones, the, the three brands that we work with there. Um, so for the hardware, for example, because they're the ones that are selling a lot, they've got the market covered. Um, and everything is totally impartial. You know, that's the thing. There's None of my staff are under pressure to sell certain models or certain companies' gear. If someone comes for fitting as an example 
you will be told what the best club is for you regardless of which one it is it's the best club so there's none of that behind going on as well you know so it's uh, that is so important but I feel I feel we're on it with price occasionally you know you, you might have to say yeah okay but not all quotes are genuine on the internet as well you yeah. know it's uh, it's a funny one that I think the thing that would worry me most if I was in your job is that you're essentially responsible for stock mm. um, so you're stocking the shop mm. um, and not only do you have to get it in but you have to get it out too. yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely i mean does that give you at the end of the season some sleepless nights when you're thinking about well what do i do with stock that i haven't sold or are you pretty careful about what you get into yeah i i, I the the till system we use um i subscribe to get reports on what's popular on the market so i'm i'm keeping my eye on what's happening out there so you're trying to make sure you've got the popular ones in the shop in the first place you've got a great relationship with the suppliers uh, through the reps and things um, and of course the foremost resources are, are great helping you buy in at the right price to match etc but in terms of getting stuck with it um, generally you know you, you, you're spending time you're keeping on top of what you get you know so um, but yeah well, that, it, there's a lot of money in there I'll be honest yeah there's over 100 grand of gear in that shop for example so um, so you do sort of like have to get it right. So there's a lot of thought goes into it. We work with the members, we do surveys and see what they're looking for as well. So, so you do spend a bit of time trying to, trying to balance it all. So yeah. yeah well, again, a great segue into the next question, which is about members. I mean, how do you keep the members happy? Because that, I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about various aspects of the job, but keeping the members happy and keeping them engaged and um, positive about their golf club and their membership is really your key role isn't yeah it? absolutely I mean it's it's in our interest to keep customers just like it is you know the more we're working with the members then the happier they are you know and the word engagement is often used by myself and you know it's um so you know you're keeping an eye on things if, if we're always chatting to members how are you getting on you know and the amount of time someone's oh, really struggling say come on let's just see you hit a few shots and things like that you know and you don't have to pay just just let, let's go and see you hit you know let's let's sort this thing out so you you're very involved with the members and, and keeping them happy in that respect um and again going back to that thing about how much you care you know it's it's genuine you know it's heartfelt and that comes through from the lads as well so um so yeah it's talking to them and key you know and sometimes you get something wrong or whatever you put your hands up you know there's no point in uh, denying anything you know if you can't get all of something like you were talking about stock it's like I'm sorry I just can't get that but that's so rare um, but yeah it's, it's just nice it's it's the atmosphere isn't it and, and come in and talk and yeah, yeah well how, how do you create that atmosphere I mean you, you talked specifically about the welcome and it, and it is a thing here mm. I mean you, you know you it's not a place where you walk in the shop, buy something, and mm. someone says three pounds sixty-five. Thanks very much, and off you go. There is a genuine yeah. camaraderie there. There's banter there as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Everyone seems to enjoy themselves. Yeah, and, and that that just builds up, doesn't it? I mean, you just what you see is what you get. You know, I've got two great lads as well because you know, there's it's non-stop, isn't it? Golf. I mean, even more so since COVID started. It's just incessant tea times. It's just non-stop. So. There's always something going on. You can't be everywhere yourself. So, I mean, you can't under, underplay how important the staff are, you know. So, it's great. So, no matter who's in the shop, when you come in, you're going to get that welcome. And, you know, it's, like I say, how's your game? It, it means a lot to a member to be asked, you know, how you're playing and everything going all right, anything we can do or whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, but, it, you know, I am lucky in the respect that we've got great facilities here to do to do what we do as well. It's a great course, and, and the membership's lovely as well. There's a great bunch of members here, so you know, uh, the happiness in work is is quite something as well, isn't it? So, 
yeah yeah obviously when you grow up you have aspirations to play everybody does and then as you uh, as you go through your career those things change um i i often think of the traditional club pro almost as having to sacrifice any dreams of still getting the bats <laughs> out from time to time because you're just so busy with other things yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you know i i think uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about is um that the hours here are long um for any for any club pro and they involve weekends as well because yeah. that's when members play it's we'll, seven we'll, days a week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, well, well the, the question I'm going to ask you is about whether you can still play or whether you have any aspirations to play. But firstly, I should say, how do you cope with that lifestyle? Because it's not for everybody, is it? No, no. It, it is demanding. And, and, you know, my family have been very supportive over the years with everything. And, um, you know, it's, it's trying to manage it all in time management. And, you know, I was a bit late to the game getting that organized if i'm honest because you just it's it, it can absorb you in your work if you're not careful so it's about planning and you know being on top of your diary for example you know it's um because it is just non-stop so yeah i mean the lovely family and the kids are growing up now as well so um and yeah you, planning is the big thing Cause, time cause the, management because yeah. the reality of your job particularly in the summer is late nights Mm. Um, lessons that go on into the evening um, and obviously at, at weekends as well weekends are traditionally for the workforce family time and yet this is when the majority of people that you would yeah, see at the club I mean this I mean I would say about this club in particular it seems to be busy all the time I yeah, don't know whether is. that's yeah, a Covid is. thing but yeah. I look at the t-sheet and it's always busy so yeah. there's there's that caveat as well but mm. I mean you must have understanding people around you that accept that it's not a nine to five job in the traditional sense. No, it's not. But it is about it is about managing. At the end of the day, there's going to be people playing golf as long as there's daylight. But you, you've got to control that. You know, we 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 are finished by six o'clock through the week. You know, and it and it has to be. You know, it's um, it, there's always going to be something to be catching up with as well. Um, you know, we start the competitions at weekends. We need the shop open for six thirty. You know, to so be ready for that. So they are long days, but it's it's all about teamwork and managing that as well. But do value the time off as well. You know, we all need to have a break and we've got to manage shift rotors and things like that so we all get breaks and holidays because, you know, you're sharper, aren't you? Let's be honest, you know, you you look forward to having a break and you come back energised as well. So, um, but yeah, good good, good lads and, and it's just keeping on top of it really. You know, the, yeah, you've got to control it to be fair, yeah. Yeah, you've been telling me recently that you've been getting your sticks out again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, you, you touched on this earlier that, you know, it's difficult to manage everything and, and being brutally honest, you know, I mean, I got my first head pro's job at 23, you know, and um, there was a lot to do. That was a young age to get that job. So did I have a lot to prove? You know, is that kind of element. So so the work took over. You're looking after your staff and, and time and family and young family at the time as well. So, um, you know, you, you are busy, but the one thing that generally would get traded quite a bit was your own game you know so opportunities to play reduced a little bit and things like that um but you know of late and again going back to a bit of trap man you know just sort of like trying to get going again but trying to play a little bit more and get the sticks going it's yeah i'm, I'm working on my own game again but um it's I, when you say about aspirations for playing i discovered i can get a little bit tweaky sometimes under a bit of pressure in the early days i promise you so um so yeah, I mean it's um, sometimes a lot easier telling people what to do than doing it yourself. So, but yeah, the sticks do come out, and we hit a few shots and there's a few party tricks and stuff like that. So it's it's good fun. Well, yeah. it's nice to know that you're 
um, even though you're much better at golf than us, you're still basically exactly the same as the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, we still deal with it. I mean, if someone's got called like the Clint Eastwood of golf, it's the good, the bad and the ugly type when you see some of the shots coming out. So, um, but yeah, we, we do enjoy it. It's good. Couple more questions because sure. you've actually got another lesson coming in. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a busy time. Yeah, no, fine. Um, you, you, we, we spoke a bit earlier on about the relationship that you have with the golf club manager and specifically with the committee. This is a members owned golf club, so the committee run the golf club on behalf of the members. How important is that relationship with? Um, both with uh, the, the golf club manager here yeah. and, and with the committee as well, because often when you when you see um, when you see kind of golf gone bad, it's because that relationship has broken, broken down. down or fallout or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, the, the board here have been fantastic to be fair in my time, and the board does evolve. You know, the committees will change, come and go. The constant has been making the office as well, so obviously that relationship's important as well, and. Um, you know the club has been very very supportive the the back changes and ideas as well we've worked worked together on it um so yeah the board members will change and um and mike's been here all the time i have i think he started here one two years before me so so he'll have seen a lot of the changes go on but the way the club has supported and developing the range and you know get the studio over the line to build and things like that so it is important we're working together at the end of the day it's in everyone's interest you know if uh, you know, members are happy and staying here. They're, they're using the facilities, so it's, we're all in this together. There's no, there's no eyes and things like that. It's uh, is it slightly teamwork. is it slightly easier for you um, in the sense of a, a board and committee structure that is changing every two or three years as new people come in? Because I mean, there won't be too many people at the club you don't know. Really, no, no, they? exactly. Yeah, I mean, first, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice. I mean, uh, there is a rule here that they've got where you can't serve for more than nine years. Um, as a committee member so so that does change things and evolve things so um, so yeah it's um, the, the committees evolve as, as things do but um, but as a collective you know it's a great thing to work together you know so it's important that dialogue's always there as well isn't it you know it's like a, you said from the North East it's like something to say say it you know and it's like let's get out there don't you know good bad feedback we all need it whatever just to, to keep things moving so uh, but no it's been, it's been great and um yeah, it's a, it's a lovely club, to be fair. I mean, you, you've obviously joined and hopefully you're enjoying it as well. You can see how busy it is. So, um, but yeah, it's good and it's exciting and uh, it's in a strong place now as well. There's been a lot of work on the course as well. So that was another exciting element to the job being involved with the, you know, the, the, the development that they did out there. And, um, but yeah, lovely. Just sum up for me, Mark, what difference being a PGA member makes to you on a daily basis, being a member and how they assist you in um, in what is uh, a phenomenally complex job? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, being a member of the association is is a, quite an honour to begin with. You know, obviously there's a, there's a lot to go through to gain that status as being a member. Um, and and it, it's kind of like, family sounds a bit strange, but it, it's the support that's there for you. So, um, you know, once you qualify and carry on and further your career in different elements, you know, so they've got a lot of training resources um, for you for that. But also you've got the, the fact that they're there to help in other ways as well. So there's, you know, there's member benefits or so there's sections like that. There's a lot of time gets put into that and a lot of contacts. But also, you know, in your job that you're doing, the, the, you know, there's, there's guys out on the road that will come and talk to you and, and help you with your work, any issues with golf clubs or trying to make the most of things. And you know they will they will talk to golf clubs as well because you know we all live and breathe and, and love our 
game of golf and it's all about working together so the PGA are they're fantastic in, in, in so many ways and um, working with golf clubs as well so they'll happily you know talk to golf clubs about professionals and that role as well so it's it, it's having something that's you know they're there in the background shall I say as well as in the day-to-day -day. so so yeah I mean it, it, you can't really thank the PGA enough for, for, for everything they do behind the scenes as well so yeah when you uh, look at the role of the golf club professional as a whole and you look at some of the challenges that perhaps some of your colleagues are facing uh, in other parts of the industry and at other clubs. I mean, uh, obviously you've got a great setup here, which you've been um, very clear upon, but I mean, do you think that there's still a place for the traditional golf club pro within the sport or is it one of those things that maybe if we come back to this 20 years time, your role will have completely changed again and you might be doing something totally different? Well, I still see a big role moving forward for the club pro. It's a pivotal part of the job, you know, part of the club really. I mean, you're involved, you're playing in some matches, you play with members, the teaching, you know. Um, and, and the retail side, yes, that, that, that's constantly evolving, whether they go down the franchise, whatever, but having a pro shop team is massive. It's a huge part. I mean, it's, you know, we've, had, we've introduced a lot of new members through things like the, the, the academy, you know, a lot of beginner ladies have joined. Um, the, the meet and greet is part of it the visitors um, it, it's just yeah it's a massive part I can't ever see it going away but it, you know the, any pro has to make it happen it's not it doesn't just come to you you know I mean it's like when I first started out there was no American golfs for example there was no um, big stores away from the golf club there was no online so basically you went to your golf club to buy gear but you know it's a free world out there isn't it you can choose where you shop no matter what you're buying so you've got to make it happen still so um, but that point of connection that person that you can see on a regular basis that you can have a rapport with that mm. you can you know that, that as you say cares about you cares about your game and cares about you uh, progressing at the club that for you is always going to be the most important to, to me thing. yeah it is absolutely and there was a survey done a uh, handful of years ago about you know who do you see most of the golf club you know when the research with members and it was a massive percentage was the, the professional you know because they're, they're the ones that's often there and the, coming in for the cards whatever to buy a drink even whether it's big items or not so you're the the, the most communicative person in the golf club in that respect so I think it's a huge role, yeah, huge role. And um, as I say, the PGA doing a lot as well to evolve that role as well because things are changing. Some are needing to, to do more administrative work for the golf club as well. So there's, there's, it's an evolving wheel and you've just got to keep up to date and make it reflective to where you are as well, I think, you know. So, but yeah, it's a great job. Love it as much as ever. You know, it's, it's, it's a lovely job to do. Yeah, what a place on which to finish. Thanks for joining me, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Behind nearly a thousand club professionals lies Foremost Golf, whose combined membership represents 25% of all UK golf sales. But the company does so much more, offering marketing, invoicing, as well as retail support to club professionals, whether that's through specialist club pro websites or through digital newsletters. Who better then to talk to us about how professionals deal with us, the customers, and how the best flourish? Managing Director Andy Martin reveals all. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Great to hear from you. Steve, thanks so much for inviting me to join you. So I think what would be a really good start for our listeners um, is just for you to explain who Foremost are and, and what it is that you guys do. 
Yeah, sure, Steve. Um, so Formos has been around since 1984. Um, 25 years ago or so, we would have probably been referred to as a cooperative buying group. Um, that's our heritage. We're still referred to by many people in the industry as a buying group. But in the last 15 or so years, we've sort of moved to helping our members provide strong customer communication or engagement systems. Um, I always think uh, the best way of describing Foremost is, is really we're a sort of support engine that sits behind the PGA golf professional. Uh, we sit quietly in the background. Um, some consumers will see the odd Foremost bit of signage around or a Foremost A-frame. But our job is to sit there in the background to basically help help the golf professional. Um, we we actually grew from very small uh, acorns uh, in 1984. We were formed in the the BB&O region, um, the Barks, Bucks, and Oxen region. Um, and to cut a long story short, we've we've quickly grown from obviously since then, and now we represent 980. PGA golf professionals and golf clubs across the UK and Ireland. And um, we sort of got a representative turnover of 175 million over all those clubs. So that gives you an idea of the scale of the buying group um, or the retail and marketing group. Um, so, yeah, we've certainly got a, a big stake in the in the retail market. You say you sit in the background and, and support pros, but you support them in quite a number of ways, don't you? I mean, members will know obviously about the buying group when they try and uh, purchase retail from their PGA Pro, but you help with marketing and other things like that. Yeah, we do. Um, I suppose before we sort of come on to the, the marketing, sort of more in the background area is the central payment and invoicing uh, area that we help our members with. This is paperwork. You know, there's lots of apps out there in the world now, aren't there, to help businesses. Um, you know, so you don't spend as much time pouring through all that paperwork. And, you know, we've got a very unique system that sits in the background. You know, no one else has, has, has got that. Um, and that frees up. I mean, we've done some analysis on this and it's uh, it probably frees up half a day a week for the golf pro. Um, so he can spend his time better front of house with customers, taking lessons, um, fitting spending time in his business in his retail business and in the golf clubs business so you know those sort of things the uh, things that really aren't emphasized but sit there just quietly in the background i suppose that really comes into what i was saying earlier about the sport engine we've also got you know a team on the road um a team of business development consultants we call bdcs um and they cover everything from business plans financial plans store layout business advice um, and in the last, you know, the last decade, over the last decade or so, we've moved into, as you, as you talk about there, you reference the, the marketing support that we give. We have marketing editors that also are sort of allocated to our members um, and they sit there and they do everything really from to help them with their digital marketing. And maybe we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. So with nearly uh, a thousand professionals, I suppose you guys are well equipped to have an understanding of what makes a good golf professional. And obviously earlier on in the program, we spoke to um, York head professional Mark Rogers, who's a foremost pro of the year. So obviously hit some hit some great guy, Mark. Yeah, great guy, Mark. He's won a number of our awards and been uh, nominated. So, yeah, you know Mark very well. So, so what to you then is a good golf professional? What is a, a, a great traditional club pro? 
Yeah, this is a, a really good question. Um, I think, you know, you, you maybe we should look beyond the sort of immediately obvious. You know, clearly a lot of people expect me to say a great golf coach. Yeah, that goes without question, I suppose. And a, a good fitter, someone who's able to uh, identify the right technology and maximise that technology for the consumer. And ultimately, and we always talk about, you know, one of our strap lines is enjoy better golf. Um, help the golfer enjoy better golf and a first class retailer. But um, I think if we look beyond that, a good golf professional is one that's integrated in with the golf club, actually, and and actually works with the golf club team to help it meet its objectives. So, um, you know, we're all on board this ship together. Um, and, and in the golf club, the golf professional is sort of an integral part of that team. Um, and often, um, not always, but often, you know, the pro and his staff are the sort of the go-to person at the golf club. You know, they're the first point of call often when they, people pop in to grab that coffee, grab that scorecard. They're the person you see probably first and last when you uh, visit your golf club. But um, yeah, yeah, a strong, you know, relationship with the customers is also, you know, very important, you know, having a, a sort of broad cross section of understanding about the club membership and the customers. But, um, you know, equally, as we sort of move into the sort of digital age, it's perhaps um, also a case of putting like minded golfers together. Um, how many WhatsApp groups are there that sit in a golf club membership, you know, and I, maybe I, I, I come at this as a slightly different angle, and and that's that if you can build friendships and communities at golf clubs, that is actually massive for your retention of membership at the golf club. You know, if you you establish those relationships and you you're coming up, you know, whether it's having a beer, having a coffee, having a gallon of golf with a couple of pals, that keeps you at the golf club and you know makes you enjoy your golf. Yeah, we. Uh talked in a in a pre-call uh, about um golf professionals and and their pivotal role in the um in the smooth running of a club and you and you made the point to me that and i just wanted to get this on air that a, a good golf professional is good for golf without without doubt you know it's uh, i think you know the pga's logo is it's the heart of golf and i know that you, you might speak to to the pga and you know um foremost uh, and the PGA sort of, you know, work, work closely on that. But, you know, a good golf professional communicates to the golf club database. Um, and, and that, that I suppose is where we've sort of moved in the last decade to providing a comprehensive sort of marketing toolbox to do that for the golf professional. Sure. He's doing that to promote his, his coaching, his retailing, his fitting, but it's also keeping the customers aware of what's happening on the at the club, club events, what's happening out on the course, you know, what's happening all around the club. And I know that's that's coming back to this community. Uh, and, you know, that that's pivotal to the success of, of golf clubs because they are communities, they're micro communities out there. So, you know, we've we've invested a lot in sort of what we call the the elite marketing program, another acronym for you, EMP lots of jargon out there in the sort of business world but you know we provide um our members with a personal you know digital e-newsletter um a personal website you know uh, a platform for them to be able to promote special offers whether that's in coaching or whether that's in retail 
you know, we support them with their social media. We even have, you know, automated in-store monitors now that um, uh, can go into the stores. And with a ticker bar, which keeps people up to up to date, you know, if if Steve Carroll's had a, a, another hole-in-one, probably had numerous, Steve, but um, if you have a hole-in-one, that pops up on your ticker bar and that tracks through when you're breaking news for your golf club and it's... Um, uh, it's it's a lot better than some of the sad news that we're having the last couple of years that um, we're seeing on the news channels. So yeah, it's all geared around driving those digital inquiries back to the golf pro, back to the golf club, and making it easy for the golf pro and his team and the golf club team to work with with your customers. Yeah, I've only had the one hole in one, um, which is probably a good thing because I imagine if a ticker was telling the entire membership, I'd know it they might would. get. Could get, get could get quite a bit expensive. There's insurance for things like that, Steve. Now there's the insurance for things like that out there. You're quite right. You're quite right. Um, obviously, uh, retail is a huge part of the PGA Pro's offering, and the club shop um, is hugely important to the to the to the club. To use the same word again. I mean, just just tell yeah. me why you think that is the case, and why it is so important for pros to be able to have a good retail offering and how you can help with that because obviously that's primarily I think what a lot of uh, golf club members will know you for yeah it, it's it there's a lot of sort of stakeholders out there as well that that help put together a good golf shop um sure we've you know I mentioned earlier our business development consultants that are out on the road our marketing editors that that help our members as well you know what is a good golf shopper you know a lot of your listeners will probably think well I want to shop with absolutely everything in it I suppose what we do is we um, we help our members identify the best products on the market for their for their customers you know we we used to go out to the uh the um the global golf show out in uh, out in the US um that would probably take you, I don't know how many hours to walk around every every aisle of that golf show. It's a kilometre in length. There's everything and anything there. So the golf pro's got to make some decisions. The retailer's got to make some decisions. And that's based around his his customers. And, you know, uh, one of the things that we support our members with is a survey uh, every other year where we ask for input for the, from the customers so that you can base best cover the needs of your, your customers. But typically, uh, I think we all want a nice uh, shopping experience, don't we? Um, and a lot of the brands now that are out there offer a really good shop-in shop experience. So it's clean, it's, you know, that is, it, it's, it's gone again from 20 years ago where it used to be the dark, dusty shop that you walked into. You know, it's gotta be a nice um, experience. The one thing I think that I would probably stress here is the the coaching and fitting studio. Um, that's really important and it should be seen as a an addition to the golf shop you know that really again helps the golfer the member um, an area where you can receive the best coaching expert coaching expert fitting and that really adds value for everybody you know it allows the the golf pro to to show his skills you know at the end of the day he's a you know professionally qualified expert in that field yeah, nice segue into the next question, which is obviously looking at the pandemic and um, the boost that it has given golf. I mean, obviously, we've got to be uh, a bit careful about how we express this because uh, the past two years have been miserable, frankly, both for uh, some businesses and for individuals, those who've suffered from COVID, who have 
lost loved ones through COVID or are still suffering through long COVID. But there, but there is no doubt that the pandemic has changed golf. Um, it's brought new members. It's brought new players to the game. I mean, how can clubs and professionals build on this? And I say opportunity in quotes. How can they look forward as we start to come out of this period and build on it? Yeah, Steve, it's been a, you know, it's been such a terrible time. You know, I'm, I'm sure most of us know someone that's been deeply affected, whether it's health wise or from a business perspective, from a job perspective. And it, it, it's been a, a very tough time and our sympathies go to everyone. And, and clearly we're, we're in tough times again as we as we speak. Um, you know, the golf, the golf industry has had a shot in the arm. It's you know it it has benefited and I think it's it's helped a lot of people with their sort of mental health being able to get back out on golf courses. Sure, golf was was locked down you know the, um, the first quarter of 2021, but you know it has back bounced back and it and it has uh, benefited. But also, I hope it's benefited a lot of golfers out there as well. Um, you know, spring was a very worrying time for all of us. When I go back almost to spring 2020, you know, that struck at the worst time for a lot of our members. Stock had just arrived for the new season. You know, fortunately, that was an area where we could really support our members and, you know, in partnership with our suppliers, look at different ways to to soften that blow because that was, a, you know, there was some sleepless nights for a lot of people at that stage. But um, then as we moved into the sort of the, almost that that mini boom in summer 2020 when people were able to get outside and um, distance and, and enjoy sports like golf it's really it really has taken a boom we actually conducted a an audit of 400 of our you know 980 members um, that are uh, that are supported by our elite marketing program and you know we looked at the pre-pandemic uh, membership numbers and then the post pandemic and memberships were up 12 and a half percent. Now it's incumbent now on all of us, all of us in the industry to take advantage of that and to help keep these people involved in the industry. You know, it's a great sport. You know, we've obviously, we love the game. We love all, you know, I love a lot of sport, but um, it's, I think our responsibility to make sure that as many of these golfers can, who found golf, you know, sure, some people will go back, whether they're going back to their football stadiums, whether they're going back to their gyms, going back to other hobbies. Um, it's it it's basically about trying to make sure we keep as many of those people who found golf engaged again. And, and golf clubs and golf professionals have got a big part to, to play in that. And from our point of view, you know, with things like our marketing toolbox, as I said before, we want to make sure that people find those those friendship groups, those communities, um, you know, it's a isn't it a great sport? You know, a lot of a, a sportsmen who've played other sports as we move sort of and start picking up injuries, we can keep playing golf. You know, uh, well into our fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and beyond even. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to seeing um, how golf emerges from the pandemic. Andy, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks very much, Steve, for having me. And of course, no discussion of the role of the club professional could take place without the input of the Professional Golfers Association. As a business relationship officer, Sam Carr supports club professionals and promotes their value to their clubs. So he's in the perfect place to tell us just why they are so important to the present and future of the grassroots game. 
Sam, welcome to the podcast. Just explain to the listeners, if you could, what your role is at the PGA and how you support your network of club professionals. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Um, that's that's an interesting uh, uh, request, really, to start off the podcast with. Um, as the team of business relationship officers uh, within the PGA who sit within the member services team, um, we work up and down the country to support members. Well, yes, to support members, of course, but also yes, to support um, the wider industry as well. And I'll probably touch on that in a moment. But I suppose from a PGA member perspective, I suppose we want to influence, we want to support PGA members as much as we can. Um, to improve their performance on a day-to-day basis, to support them through difficult situations, to help them move forward, to help them grow, whatever it might be. But I suppose if I was to sum it up in a sort of strategic way, it would be that we're here to try and help members to to improve the professional and personal lives of, of PGA members. So that's what we aim to do. From a golf industry perspective, it's probably a bit of a cultural shift perhaps over recent years in that we want to support the industry, the wider industry, golf clubs, facilities, et cetera. If say within the context of, of this podcast, when you look at a head professional, we want to help golf clubs understand the role of the head professional, understand the, the, the strategy, the, the framework, the madness that goes into everything that a head professional does, the, the finances, the structure, et cetera. If we can help them understand that better, if we can support them with that, if we can help them set it up correctly from the beginning. Um, so if we work with those facilities, we can then ensure that our members have the best possible chance that uh, going to try and um, make their role successful. So we, we see the two working hand in hand. Yes, we support members on a day to day level, of course we do, but we also want to support the industry so that we can help them to get it right for our members, if that makes sense. So it's very much a sort of 360 approach um, to, to support in the industry. So um, there's a heck of a lot, <laughs> a heck of a lot of different, if you will, subject matters. When we speak to PGA members, it could be it could be anything: contracts, HR, business reviews, recruitment, uh, marketing, coaching, personal development. We also support members, um, which is quite a new initiative the PGA, PGA brought in. We support members from a mental health perspective, and we have a pathway now within the association to support members from a mental health perspective as well. So it's very wide and varied. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It just sounds it, doesn't it? Um, I mean, the PGA has obviously diversified into a lot of different areas over the last few years, rightly so, because the golf industry is changing. But would it be fair to say that the traditional club professional, the, the person that we all see when we walk into our pro shop is still the vanguard of, of, of PGA membership? As as an employee of the PGA, and I've I've recently just achieved my 10-year mark at the PGA, but also as a very, I'm a PGA member myself, so as a very proud PGA member myself, perhaps people are already preempting what my answer is going to be to that question. But but based on my experiences in the industry, I would I would abs- absolutely say yes, <laughs> they are the traditional PGA professional, if you will. Is, is still central for a whole host of reasons to the golf club, to the golf facility. Um, and I think that, I think if I was to summarize the reasons why, I, I think it stems from, in a, from a couple of different areas. 
So pragmatically, um, a golf club or a, facil a facility, a golf club, private members club, for just example, when 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 they are looking at their business and they look at golf operations, they look at the front of house service. They will have a list of services, a list of responsibilities, if you will, but we'll go with a list of services for now that they need to be delivered at their golf club. They need a li this list of services that need to be delivered to help make that golf club successful. Now, when they look at that list of services and I hope and, and it's something that we certainly encourage clubs and facilities to do. We, they, we want to try and make sure that that list of services is as specific as it can be to each individual club because each individual club in, is its own entity, is its own business, has its own strategy, has its own vision, or, or it should do. And the list of services that need that head pro to deliver is therefore very unique to that club. If they go through the process of understanding where the business is going as a club, what the strategy is, what the vision is, and they can identify that list, specific list of services. You've then got to ask the question, well, who are we going to get to deliver this list of very specific industry related services? And the simple answer is the PGA professional. The PGA professional um, has never been more qualified, never been more trained, a whole host of experience levels, a whole host of skill sets out there. But the PGA professional is as the industry insight, the skills, um, the training, the support from the PGA to deliver those services for that golf club. And there is ultimately no better individual to deliver those services to the best possible standard. Um, that list of services, even if you take the obvious ones, um, let, let's look at retail, let's look at coaching, let's, let's, let's look at custom fit. They are very, to be done correctly, and efficiently and effectively and to and to really understand the value in those three areas you have to be trained you have to be skilled you have to have industry insight knowledge you have to be constantly developing yourself and again therefore there is no better placed individual to deliver these services that the club need to be delivered that the members will demand that the club's clients members guests and visitors demand there is no better person to deliver those services than the pga professional um, that would be my pragmatic answer. I think from a sort of heart and mind perspective, you know, that that PGA professional loves the game, is passionate about the game, loves coaching, lo loves getting, if you will, sort of stuck into club environments. That's why they are head professionals and they become the heart and soul of that golf club. They become the number one touch point again for the club's clients, members, guests and visitors. They become the person that members go to when they need help with their game or whether they need reassurance. And, and of course, from a retail perspective, and they can provide guidance and expertise and industry insights to the club. So they become a very, very important that that expertise, that experience that they all have become very, very important to the club. So from a pragmatic, from a list of services from the golf club business perspective, there is no better person um, to deliver those than the PGA professional. But also, if I think from a hearts and minds perspective, you know, th there is no better person to become the, the, the front of house for the club, the heart and soul of the club than the PGA professional because of who they are and where their passion lies. That is a hugely varied role that you've just described there, massively so. I mean, I mean, we're now seeing as well, aren't we? Um, professionals and others who are um, who are going into one specific area, aren't they? And just concentrating on that, whether it just be coaching or whether it just be fitting. But for the 
for the for the club pro that is a huge range of tasks that require um, a significant amount of expertise and also tact and guile and customer service in dealing with people. So, I mean, how, how do you as an organisation support your professionals in, in delivering those services to the best of their abilities? I think that support actually starts from day one when an individual starts their three-year foundation degree they start their training course it's it's three years for a reason it's at the at the level that it's at for a reason it's within the workplace for a reason because as you've just described there is so much for these um individuals who are going through their training and who are being um, they have you know, they have a mentor pro they're working in a golf environment their head professional will mentor them take them under their wing it starts from day one that there, there is so much to learn so much to become an expert in, and it needs to be a three-year training course to give these individuals, if you will, a baseline level of knowledge from where they can you know, develop expertise even further. But to give them that baseline, it, it takes three years. And um, it's one of the best training courses, if not, um, and there's evidence to back this up, one of the best training courses in, in sport. It's wide and it's varied to mirror um, those areas of expertise that need to be developed. But beyond that, then there's a, there's a whole suite of areas. When you look at the PGA Learn platform, the, the amount of CPD opportunities that the PGA offers to its members um, at, at heavily discounted rates to offer tremendous value to its members, but the range of um, subject areas, topics that they can easily access through online courses, through materials, through face-to-face -face courses now as we um, sort of come out from the from the COVID world. Um, it's tremendous, and 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 that support is there. Then when you throw in the sort of the regional manager network, when you throw in the business relationship officer network, when you throw in commercial departments, media departments, it's it's wide and 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 varied, and there is an opportunity for a PJ member, whatever the, whatever area they need to evolve themselves in, to develop themselves in, to keep up with. The demands of the golf club, demands of their coaching role, whatever it might be, there is something available within the PGA to support them. Um, as I say, from certainly from a CPD perspective and at boots on the ground from our, our side, from a regional managers, business relationship officers, member services team, we're, we're all here to do that. And what I would encourage PGA members to do, if if I can, is if if you've never, if you're listening to this and you've never reached out to the PGA, the regional managers, the, the business relationship officers, I was absolutely encourage them to do it. Um, we have, um, you know, a, a vast array of experiences and networks, and we can we can support. And often it's perhaps I'm, I'm biased in the BRO role, but I think it's probably the best place to start. Um, from a support perspective, when we go and speak to head professionals, um, coaches, custom fitters, whatever it might be, one of the first things we can do is actually create an environment and a space for them to reflect on what they're actually doing. And I'm a big believer from a personal development and a support perspective is that if I can help a PGA member understand what it is they need to develop in as opposed to what they want to develop in, what do you need? What support do you need? Right. We can then as an association put a plan in place to help you in those areas that you actually need to develop in. So there is a whole range of support available um, from day one through three year training program all the way through a, a member's 
entire tenure as a PGA member, through their entire time as a PGA member, to help them evolve, move forward, change roles, whatever it might be. It's it's there for them, and, and it, it's a pretty big setup, if I'm if I'm pretty honest, that that we do offer members. There are a lot of pressures out there in the in the industry at the moment. They're well documented. We don't need to go into them right now. Um, you're out on the road, obviously, a lot meeting clubs and and meeting professionals. I mean, what what advice would the PGA give to clubs about the value of a good professional to the club, and for those who might be thinking about the status of their professional? It's a very good question. Um, it's interesting in that over the past number of years, really, whether this has been expedited off the back of COVID, but we've spoken to more and more golf clubs who are who have expressed the desire potentially to take the um, professional operation, if you will, in-house and um, run the retail operation themselves and um, employ staff themselves. And pragmatically, and this is quite pragmatic, 99.9 percent .9 of golf clubs, when they look at doing that, and when we talk to them, talk them through what that would actually mean for them as a facility, what they realize is that it's actually very difficult. It, it's going to cost a lot of money and more often than not, more money than the club or facility can afford. But through that process, they a lot of clubs really then begin to understand actually what goes into, if you will, the day to day running of the professional shop, all the tasks that that PJ professional actually actually delivers. And they quickly realize that the traditional retainer model, if set up correctly, um, allows allows for tremendous value from an investment perspective compared to if you were to take it in-house but it also allows the freedom or allows the head professional that pga professional the freedom to express themselves and to utilize their skills expertise as best as they can to express themselves in through delivering the services so the value the value is twofold yes it's financial um the retainer model offers tremendous value for, for a golf club, um, but it also allows that head pro to fully immerse themselves in their own business, to bring in their own staff, to set up their their, their own strategy uh, to deliver the services that the club want. Um, I think that's certainly where the value lies. And then in doing so, they're getting a head professional who they might not otherwise be able to afford, if you will, um, who really becomes the face of that club, who becomes the front of house of that club. And I would, if a club is questioning the value that they potentially um, uh, get from their head professional, I, I would encourage them to reach out to us. We, we, we don't, as BROs of the PJ in general, we don't, we're not unions. You know, we don't, we don't bang our fists on the table and say, you must pay the PJ professional more money. We're not hard to do this. As I say at the beginning, when, when we when I think about reaching out to the industry, I would encourage clubs, facilities to reach out to us, bring us in, let let us help you review your thinking and your processes and why it, why it might be that you're questioning it. Um, let's actually look at 
what that head professional delivers, which again, pragmatically, is often a lot more than is written in the agreement or contract. It goes well beyond the scope. So if you will, the value for money that a club can get out of their contractor, out of their PJ professional, is tremendous. And um, it's all, we're always open to coming in and speaking to clubs and helping them see that and helping them change the way that relationship works or helping them review agreements or contracts to make sure that those services that the head pro is delivering is actually what the business of the golf club needs. Um, I often get a comment when when I'm in working with a facility and say from a recruitment perspective, and they will say to me, um, I say, well, you know, what, what sort of services, let you know, get the ball rolling, what sort of services do you want your head pro to do? And they say, oh, you know, head pro stuff. And I go, well, what's head pro stuff? And they go, you know, head pro stuff. And I go, no, this list of services has to be specific to your business so that the contractor, the head professional and their team are pushing your business in the direction that you believe it should go. And if we can get that set up, if we can help a club see that, then they're getting even more value for money because not only are they getting a service that is affordable for the club, but that that contractor and the services that deliver it is pushing the club forward in the way that the business actually needs to. So I would absolutely encourage um, the industry in general, but clubs and facilities to reach out to us and let us work with you because we're not going to just bang our fist on the table and say, pay that PGA professional more money. It's not about that. And you've seen that work in practice on the road. You know, you've been out and you've seen those real life examples of clubs who may have been minded to go down a certain path and then have, have changed course because they've realised the value of the PGA professional. Absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that all golf clubs, again, if we talk about golf clubs specifically, I'd like to think that they all see the value Perhaps that's naive of me, perhaps that's blue sky thinking, I don't know. But I'd like to think that they all see the value of the PGA professional. I think the key from a facilities point of view is to speak to us so that we can really help them understand, the, if you will, the pro shop model, the finances that sit behind it, the, um, the margins that a head pro might work towards, or what they're actually going to turn over based on the footfall and the membership, what they're actually going to do with regard to coaching, what can they generate from coaching, what are actual staffing costs what 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 does what does the head pros annual wage bill look like you know and i think that can help a club understand it can help them understand value yes but it can help them also understand the operations so that they can better they can better compensate they can put a, a financial package that is actually viable for that head professional um, yes, the head professional is there to generate an income for themselves and make a living. Um, but they're also they're all very passionate about doing a great job for that golf club. And the golf club needs to create an opportunity for the, for the, for the head professional to run a viable business. Um, unfortunately, too often with, if you will, retainers and financial models, uh, I sometimes see golf clubs that want to get a head pro in on as lower retainer as they can because they think they're saving money and in reality if when we go through some analysis it works out that that because the package is so low the retainer the commissions are so low 
that the business just isn't viable for that head professional, then unfortunately that head professional won't have the opportunity to deliver a great service to the club's clients, members, guests and visitors. And so that's what we, we as a club, if we sat in the club's perspective, that's what we want to make sure we do. We want to make sure that the, the package is viable, that we're specific about the services that we want that head professional to deliver because that pushes our business forward. So fundamentally, that head professional and their team then have a great opportunity or a great chance or a better chance to deliver a fabulous customer service to our clients, members, guests and visitors. And, and that kind of completes the circle. If our contractor, if our head pro and their team are doing that, our members, guests and visitors are happy. They're coming back, they're retaining their membership. It works. And if as a byproduct of that, the head professional is successful and their team are successful. Brilliant. So really, j- just to summarise a couple of those key points from my perspective, it's it's really important, it's really prudent for a, for a club, a facility to review their operating model. Now, when we come in and we sit down with the facility and we analyse their business, we look at the, the club, the facility's aims and objectives, we don't have a preferred operating model. So when we talk about operating models, it could be the retainer, um, bringing the shop in-house, employing the staff, could be involving third-party retailers. We don't have a preferred model. We want to sit down with the, the club, uh, help them understand what they want to achieve, help them to understand their finances, help them to understand the pro shop model so that they can make a decision that is right for them. That decision that they make through our support will then be evidence-based, which is really, really important. So we're actually looking at the numbers, looking at the direction the club wants to go um, go towards. From there, as an association, we can make sure that the club then recruits because we're here to support clubs with recruitment from a, a you know a full 360-degree approach, if you will, from um, placing adverts, working on job descriptors, working on paperwork and contracts, etc., but we can help the club get what we would call is the right pro in the right place at the right time. And that is ensuring that the club can bring in a contractor or bring in an employee, depending on which model they choose, who has the right competencies for the role, um, the right communication is put in place, perhaps through the right contract, ensuring that the, the services, if it's a retained model, are accurately depicted and clearly depicted within that paperwork, ensuring that the resource is correct. If it's a retainer model, ensuring that the correct retainer from an actual figure and the commissions are all in place. So we are going to sit down, we sit down with with clubs on a regular basis to help them understand the model that works um, best for them. And just on that, we often get asked the question by clubs and the industry actually, is there an average retainer? Now, the honest answer to this question is no, there is no average. Now, if a club has chosen the retain model, we and we should think of the retainer as part of the overall financial package within that retainer model. It's not just the retainer on in, in isolation. The retainer forms part of the overall package. And on that basis, I work with some PJ members who are very high retainers, but low commissions. And at the other end of the spectrum, very low retainers, but high commissions. And that that analysis that we would do with a club helps the club understand from a retainer model perspective how best to set that financial package up. Because all clubs 
as as I've talked about throughout this, are individual. They should have individual targets, but also their businesses are very individual. So when we're putting that financial package together, and of which the retainer is part of it, and we are looking at the different options, we're looking at commissions, we're looking at... We're also going to consider that different facilities have different opportunities to coach, have different opportunities to retail, can generate more money through green fees, can generate more money through societies. Um, a particular depend on the level of service a particular club the size of the shop might require more staff so that's going to impact on the way that that financial package is put together therefore there is no way that we can have an average retainer obviously all those individual unique circumstances and characteristics of the club come together but as i say it's the retainer is part of that overall financial package is that if that makes sense so what we would do is when we and to reiterate this, when we come in, we sit down with a club or a facility, we look at the model, we look at their business, we analyse, we go through the numbers, we talk about the level of service, as I've mentioned throughout, that the club want to be delivered, and we can start to put together a financial package, including the retainer, that takes in consideration retail opportunities, coaching opportunities, staffing requirements, etc., etc. But it's only through doing that individual analysis and it's only through us coming in and sitting down with the club to help them understand which model works best for them as a club. Can we help the club truly get to a position that they're happy with, that the business is comfortable with, that gives that head professional and their team the best opportunity coming forward, going forward, sorry, and the best the best chance to be able to deliver the level of service that that particular club wants to have. As we steer the industry out of the pandemic and we try to maintain some of the huge gains that we've seen both in participation and membership over the last couple of years, presumably, you know, from the PGA's point of view, the role of the traditional club pro could not be more crucial to that. It's um it's an interesting time, isn't it? And um, I'm always very sensitive when I when I when I when I say it. Um, you know, there has been. <laughs> I always feel a bit odd saying it, but there's, there's a lot of positives for golf um, through COVID, and I think the industry is still trying to understand what that meant over the past two years and what that's going to mean going forward. From a head professional's perspective. Well, from a club's perspective, again, I, I'm always going to go back to this and I, I'm probably going to sound like a, well, I, I probably do sound like a stuck record, but in, the club ensuring that they're specific about the services, the responsibilities that they want that head professional to deliver. And that can change and that might well change. And I would encourage them to listen to the head professional because they are the number one touch point. They are speaking to the members, the guests, the visitors all day, every day to listen to the demands of those clients coming through and the head professional and their team will have a good handle on who these people are the influx of members who are they what are they where have they come why are they here what can we do to keep hold of them almost like from a market research perspective and the service that that head professional delivers to those individuals memberships are full in a lot of cases has never been so important because I think as a consumer, we're more demanding than ever when it comes to customer service and we expect great customer service all the time. And so the head professional 
is that warm and their team are that friendly face, that warm welcome that makes a guest feel special, that makes a society want to come back, that when they see a member and they know their name and they ask them about their kids or their golf or their football team, that member feels valued. And that can be where the value comes from. And as a club, as, as facilities in the industry, we need to make sure that we're supporting that head professional to carry on delivering those additional services so that we can try and retain these people. We've, we've all got to try our best as the world continues. Hopefully it continues to open a bit more to still want to come back to our golf club, to still want to come back to our facility. And the reality is the head professional and their team are on the front line and we need to continue as an industry. We need to continue to support them to make sure that they have a viable business opportunity, that their staff are well trained, that everyone's happy, that their mental health is good, that their work life balance is good so that they can continue to deliver a great customer experience to our again, from the club perspective, to our clients, members, guests and visitors. Because if we can do that, we increase our chances of these people staying in the game and them not wandering off like that, like, you know, and uh, like, like, like they have previously done. Great insight, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Steve.